Welcome back to the Upside Swing Strap Podcast, the podcast of the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen. And uh, we're bringing you the next in our wonderful series of guests here talk about the Miami Heat. The Miami Heat don't have a pick. So when we were thinking about who we should bring on, uh, it became obvious that we should bring on a man known for rigorous, reckless, speculative informed and fun opinions about sports and that is the great chuck from chucking darts chuck how are you doing my man i'm so i'm so thankful to be on thank you so much bryce i can't imagine a more thrilling team to discuss in the 2021 nba draft than the miami heat go heat let's go we save the best for you as <laughs> always um so important note with Chuck, uh, he was the one guest we had on before we started this guest series. Yeah, friend of the pod. We can yeah. we can now say friend of the pod. Absolutely. He uh, he talked with us about Keon Johnson, Moses Moody, Jaden Springer, and Franz Wagner. I want to say, I cannot yep. believe we got through four prospects in one pod. Considering that Chuck and I now spend an hour and ten minutes on every prospect we decide to talk about. Um, <laughs> But yeah, this is uh, we've we've been here for forty minutes, and we just now started recording because uh, the banter is immaculate here. Uh, this is the most fun Zoom room on earth, and y'all are missing out. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, we are so excited to have Chuck on. He runs the Chucking Darts NBA Draft podcast, a great follow on Twitter, and also just one of the best podcasters out there. Uh, Chuck, thank you so much for coming on. You're here to talk about the Miami Heat. Uh, swept in the first round Miami Heat. Um, it's a it, it's sort of an interesting spot for them to be in with no picks. Um, so I want to ask you, like, what are some holes on their roster that you think need to be filled? And is there anyone you think they can either trade into the second round or maybe even the first round to get that can help fill those holes? Or do you think they're they're sort of relegated to free agency and 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 trades to kind of get there? Uh, I don't think they're relegated there, but I think that's probably where they prefer to operate. I mean, the, the heat are, they are big fish hunters. I mean, I don't know if that analogy really even makes sense. Big game hunters, maybe, maybe that's a bit more appropriate, but like they, they like to involve themselves whenever a star becomes available. And in Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, they have, their guys, the team is going to revolve around them for the next, you know, at least three to four years, which in NBA terms is a full life cycle nowadays. And so their goal should be either, I mean, it should be with those two in mind. And right now going into the off season, the only players they have under contract are those two, Jimmy Butler and Bam, and then uh, some recent draft picks, and that's it. Casey Akpala, Precious Achua, and Tyler Hero. And those are the only people who have a guaranteed contract for next year. They have team options on you know, Andre Iguodala and I think Goran Dragic. Uh, they have... Uh, small cap holds on uh, Kendrick Nunn and Duncan Robinson so they could re-sign those guys. But, you know, they have a lot of flexibility. And that is what you want when you have stars that become available. So 
I think if it were up, like if they had their druthers, the heat first and foremost um, would see if there's a superstar for whom they would make Tyler hero available. If the blazers were interested in Tyler hero as a headliner for a Damian Lillard package, I think that's where they would focus all of their energy. And I think the draft would take a back seat. If that is not an option, then I think they would turn to Kyle Lowry because, you know, they were connected to him around the trade deadline. They also have Viral Ladipo, who's a free agent. And I think since he's coming off of injury, they would look to maybe do a, a one-year kind of prove-it contract with him. I think that's what he would want to do, too. And they could feel like a Lowry, Oladipo, Butler, Bam, plus a fifth starter. Maybe that's, you know, Duncan Robinson on a new deal and convince themselves that they could get back to the NBA finals. So when it comes to draft, I, I think it's sort of on the back burner for them, especially considering they don't have a pick, but no matter how this off season shakes out for them, and we can talk about other off season moves that they could make. I do think that they should trade into the draft, whether that's in the first, like the end of the first or the beginning of the second round, because when you have this amount of open roster spots, which is by design, you know, teams don't end up with 11 or, you know, 10 open roster spots by mistake. It's not they want to bring back every single one of these people that maybe even have interest in coming back. If you have that many open roster spots, then cheap talent who can help is are always going to be in demand. And that has been my position on this draft for a, a while, which is that it is in terms of NBA caliber talent, the deepest draft maybe in the history of the league. So it makes all the sense in the world for the Heat at relatively low cost to sneak in and, you know, even if it's just in the 40s or the 50s and grab a player or two that might be able to help them. And as far as what they should look for, in my opinion, especially if they're trading in at that part of the draft, it should just be shooting. Shooting, shooting, and more shooting because Butler and Bam, for as good as they are and as you know, sort of fun, interesting, unique talents as they are, neither one of them shoots from the perimeter. And if, you, if your two best players, your two highest usage players don't do that, then everyone else needs to. That is an absolute necessity in the league. And so that's what I think they should target. How do y'all feel about them, though? So... That's interesting. You just did an excellent breakdown of all that. And um, the first thing I think I want to dive into is what their young talent really is and how we evaluate that. Um, so you mentioned uh, Precious Achua, uh, Casey Akpala, uh, Tyler Hero are sort of the three bigger names, I would say. And, and, you know, it's not the most inspiring group of young players by any means. But, uh, you know, what do you think of let's focus on Tyler hero and uh, precious Achua for right now. Um, Stone, I'll throw it to you first. Like, what do you think of those guys? Like, do you think that is like interesting at all as a trade package? Do you think those are guys that they should view as anything part of a long-term roster or, or how do you, how do you feel about those two? Um, I think really ultimately boils down to how you feel about hero. Um, I think a lot of people viewed early on him as like, you know, this guy who could be somebody who you can build your team around. 
Um, and I think a lot of people have sort of lessened on that idea. And I was never really someone who was in on that idea. Um, I think he was just somebody who's, you know, really good scorer or piece off the bench, maybe as a sixth man or like a, you know, your third or fourth best offensive player on a team. But um, I think, you know, if you can still maximize his value of what is left, then I believe that the Heat should look into it. Um, you, your team is pretty much revolved around Jimmy Butler. So you're sort of on his timeline at the moment. And I think you have to do what you can to um, maximize his value and keep whatever sort of contending window open that uh, may be shut at this point, but we'll, we'll see how things shake out. Um, but ultimately you're, you're building around Bam and Jimmy. Um, and I think pretty much everybody outside of that can be expendable. Yeah, that I agree with that. Um, Tyler Hero was someone who I wasn't super high on. I, you know, I had him around where he went, I guess. I probably had him in the lottery tier. Um, and then Prez Zachu was someone I was really low on. I didn't even have him as like a guy I would draft, which I know sounds maybe crazy considering he went top 20. Um, and I've learned a lot since last year. I don't know where I would have him if I had been a part of draft Twitter as I am now, but I, he was, you know, I, I thought he was sort of a, an unskilled big who was also, you know, not like big sized really. Um, so I, I'm, I'm not incredibly enthused. And I also think you're at a tough spot with hero because if you're going to trade him, uh, you're trading him at the, you know, absolute bottom of his value. He was probably more valuable right after he got drafted than he is right now. Um, and he was super, I mean, he was super valuable before the, 2020 2021 season so um stone or stone excuse me uh chuck like what do you think of hero do you think he should be traded um do you think there's still some value left to rehab there or do you think this was closer to the real tyler hero than the bubble was um i mean then the bubble was i mean he really played extremely well in the bubble i think it's fair to say that that was probably an outlier performance um especially, you know, the fact that he was a rookie. But if you look at his numbers from his rookie year to his sophomore year um, in the regular season, they're pretty similar. And I think that his, it might've been that his points and his assists and maybe his rebounds and his assist to turnover ratio all went up slightly on similar efficiency. I know that his efficiency was essentially the same. So where Hero really struggled this year um, was that I think with Drogic hurt, or Drogic, pardon me, with him hurt for most of the year, he Hero was put in the position to be sort of second unit playmaker. He would toggle in between the starting lineup and the bench. And when Jimmy Butler was off the floor, he had the responsibility frequently of leading the offense. And that is what he was underqualified for. And um, on a preseason episode, I was trying to do predictions for every team. And that is actually one that I got right. I thought that Hero would try to expand his game because coming off of that performance in the bubble, who, who wouldn't want to try to expand their game, you know, riding as high as he was. And it would be sort of a one step back for two steps forward deal. Now, all predictions from this year are sort of moot because of how many players, um, you know, missed time during to, you know, due to COVID and everything else. But 
I think in terms of what to do with Hero going forward, I don't know that his value is necessarily cratered as a trade piece. I think you will probably find differing opinions around the league on him. Um, and it's probably lowered in some people's eyes, but it only takes the right team to like him and to have a vet that the Heat would be interested in. The Heat might feel silly for you know steadfastly refusing to include him in the James Harden trade right about now. I think that you know history has basically dictated that they should have been a bit more open to that. Um but you never know. Maybe the Washington Wizards really like him, and he'll be a trade piece for Bradley Beal. I don't think that the Heat should be dogmatic in, in keeping him, but I don't think they should be in a rush to move him either. You know, like, the Heat are generally pretty good at this in terms of keeping tabs on who is willing to play for them, who would be a fit for their organization. And usually when they insert themselves into a trade negotiation, they're they're good at only making trades that really seem to favor them on the page. So if and when they make a deal involving Hero, I expect it to be to a team that really values them, not one that would be taking advantage of the Heat for you know allegedly selling low. If it were me, I I would probably keep Hero unless that team were out there, um, and then see where we're at. Like I said, they have other avenues to improve the team. I think Kyle Lowry would be who I would focus on the most. He's friends with Jimmy Butler. He's obviously a fit for that culture in a million different ways. Um, and then see if that, if you, if there, if there's a core there that's Lowry and Oladipo, cause I don't expect the market for him to be too hot. Uh, Butler and Bam, you know, see where that foursome takes you. Like the, the heater, like it was less than a calendar year that they were taking a better Lakers team to six games in the NBA finals. So I do think that they can be forgiven for wanting to exercise some patience and not feeling a rush to really shake things up. But that said, with all these roster spots, they could go in a bunch of different directions. So that that's around that on. That's, that's a good point. Um, something I wanted to uh, turn back around on and hit on really quickly was you mentioned that uh, you know, if they were to trade in this draft, their big need is shooting. Um, and I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think one of the bigger talking points of the last year surrounding the Heat was that they really missed Jay Crowder. Um, that sort of stretch for, they kind of traded for Nemanja Bialica, but Bialica likely can't exist defensively in the playoffs, at least not in the with the scheme the, the Heat want to play. Um, so are there any... You know, let's actually first let's hit on. Obviously, one of the best shooters in the NBA is on the Heat right now, and that's Duncan Robinson. Uh, but he's going to be a free agent. Um, there's going to be some offers for him, and I think there's a chance they get pretty big. Um, would you be willing to play a pay a player like Duncan Robinson, like close to twenty million dollars a year? Um, because I think there's a very real chance he gets that sort of offer. Um, do you think he's that important to the Heat? And uh, if not, how, how are you? How do you plan to replace that uh, shooting volume and, and, and efficiency? I think in a vacuum, no, I would not want to pay him that much. I think if there's a team that would want to pay him that much, where he makes sense, I think the Heat are that team because the accommodations you need to make for Duncan 
are mostly on the defensive side of the ball. And the Heat are always going to make sure that they have personnel that competes on the defensive side of the ball. So you couple that with the fact that Miami is starved for shooting and has a low cap hold for him this specific year. And it makes sense to sign him, keep him in house. And if you need to trade him later, try to trade him later. Um, But this is where their discussion with Tyler hero, you know, also has relevance because what frequently killed he in both in the regular season and especially in their playoff series against the Bucks was that when Robinson and Hero were on the court together, the Heat just they just couldn't hold up on defense. Those guys are, you know, whether it's a combination of their frame or their athleticism, or in Hero's case, his youth, it just was it, it's too easy to attack in the NBA where you are frequently playing teams with good wing players. And so, again, the Heat, I don't know that they need to choose between Hero and Robinson, you know, right now. They could probably keep both and then just sort of know that they'll have to choose eventually. Um, but I, I think if Duncan Robinson signs with the Heat for $18 million over the next four years or something like that, that the Heat should not plan on keeping him in Miami for the entirety of that contract. Or if they do, then they better trade Tyler Hero. I just, I don't see that duo getting appreciably, you know, better on defense. I think that will always be a vulnerability for the Heat. And the Heat, you know, for a lot of teams, that might be okay. It might be okay to have that level of vulnerability because those two do have value they have real nba value and they can help you know lift a team into the playoffs as long as they have sort of the right star that they're orbiting but i think the heat internally with their expectations don't operate that way i don't think it's enough to make sure that they get into the playoffs i think they they think of themselves as capable of being the best teams in the league and so in order to do that I don't think they can have a vulnerability quite that extreme as those two, you know, on a team together long term. Interesting. Um, so there's a classic Spurs truism uh, that I think might apply here with Duncan Robinson. And that's, um, oh, I'm blanking on the player. Uh, he like paid money to join their GLT. Jonathan. Um, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, Simmons. I think so. You don't, it's like, you don't pay Jonathan Simmons. You draft the next Jonathan Simmons. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's his name. He ended up getting a $10 million deal with the magic. Yeah. And, it's Jonathan uh, Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I remember that number, a uh, whole thing with 2k, but I, the names escaped me. Um, but that's an interesting little segue to the draft because I think there are some interesting potential Duncan Robinson replacements. Um, I think the Heat maybe get slightly overcredited with the with the development of Duncan Robinson. Um, I think what they did was really impressive, but I think Robinson deserves a lot of that credit too. But I do think there's something to be said for um, him being a somewhat replaceable archetype. Um, he just happens to be maybe the best at that archetype in the NBA right now. Uh, Sands, uh, the goat, the goat Clay Thompson. Um, so I'm going to throw some names out at you guys. 
And I just want some your takes um, on them. And then maybe at the end, you can kind of rank them for the heat, who you would like better. Um, and that's going to be Joe Wieskamp, uh, Isaiah Livers, uh, Isaiah Todd, and Sam Hauser. Oh, actually, and then also Quentin Grimes, excuse me. So those, there's five names there. Um, and they're all really interesting shooting prospects, different builds, different bodies, different sort of shooting vocabulary in college. Um, so do any of those guys stand out to either of you? Um, for me, I personally, Livers is the, the one guy there that really stands out. Um, I'm a big Livers fan, and a lot of it has to do with his defense. I think of the group you just mentioned, he's, he's probably the best defender of that group of names. Um, I think he's really, really strong. So that helps him guard up to like, like power forwards. Um, and then he's, he's laterally okay enough to, to uh, take on perimeter guys. So I'm, I'm big on livers. And the other thing too, is something I look that gets overlooked a lot. I think with shooters is how much um, closeouts affect a certain, like a specialty shooter, I guess, if that's how you want to label him. Um, and I think with livers, there's like, uh, there's no closeout like you can have your hand in his face and it's like there it doesn't affect his shot at all um his release is always consistent there's nothing there that um he speeds up or anything like that it's always uh on liver's timeline and in, in terms of his mechanics and uh, it seems to be effective and have worked out for him and then the other guy of that group i would say um would be Wieskamp, where i think he's really really good off ball mover um in that is obviously very important for that sort of archetype. Um, he's somebody who utilizes coming off screens well um, and just able to get himself open, which if you can do that as a shooter, that's like one of the big nuances of shooting, uh, just actually getting yourself to be able to get that shot on the perimeter or on the corner or where have you. So I think uh, th those two guys in particular who stand out for me most. Yeah, and... I think Livers is a really interesting name um, for all the reasons that Stone mentioned, but also because, you know, when you look at the Heat specifically, the Heat like drafting bigger guys, and Livers is a bigger guy. He's, you know, 6'7", and I think he's 225, 230 pounds right around there. Um, but they also have a very low tolerance for guys who are in anything other than outrageous shape and outrageous condition and livers. It might just be the way that his body is built. And so I might be succumbing to a bit of aesthetic bias, but it does look like he could, you know, he could cut some weight a little bit and improve his mobility. And so that's a two-sided coin. If the heat feel that way, they may want to draft him, you know, trade into, you know, pick 47 or something if he's still there and draft him and say, we, you know, this is a diamond in the rough. We put him through our program and we really could have something here if we get a more athletic version of livers, which I, I frankly subscribe to. I think if that, if those gains are there to be made with he could be a really, really useful player for a team. Um, the other side of it is the Heat may look at him and say, that is not someone who we feel, you know, this guy has been in college for years and he still has, you know, these conditioning gains that he could make. 
uh, we're not even going to bring him into our culture. So I, I don't know which way it goes. You know, I could be off in diagnosing livers this way at all because when he plays, he plays with real toughness. He plays with physicality and heart. Um, but that I think would be sort of the question with him. I think among the other names, um, I think that he would not necessarily be trading into the draft to take a developmental prospect. They would want someone who could help immediately because they already have Hero, Akpala, and Achua. You know, those are all young guys that they're developing. I think they're probably at their limit for something like that. And so I think Luis Camp's a good name. I think he, his movement skills um, are, I, are good. I also think that contests tend to not really bother him that much either. Um, so he could be a nice bench piece for the Heat. The one that uh, really interests me is Grimes. Uh, and I, I just have developed a real interest in Quentin Grimes over the last few weeks leading up to the draft because of how extreme his shot volume is. You know, he shot 248 threes this past year, nearly 14 threes per 100 possessions, which is just really pushing the limits of how often you can get your shot off. And it's an, he doesn't do a whole else, lot else besides shoot. You know, he's a competitive defender. I don't know that he'd be a standout defender at the NBA level. He's only 6'5". But his shot goes in, and it looks like it's going to go in in the NBA. It's a high release. It's a quick release. It's very compact. Uh, And I think a guy like that could fit into a lot of different contexts. And I think the Heat are no exception to that, you know, because volume shooting, I think, is what Butler and Bam need around them. And he... You know, Livers, I believe, was around 10 threes per 100 possessions. I think Wieskamp was similar. Um, Hauser is a very good shooter, but I also think he is a guy who needs some physical development before he can really help an NBA team. And Todd is very young, and I think he sort of needs the same. So I think this question is sort of between Livers, Grimes, and Wieskamp. And I think that that shot volume that Grimes has is – makes him a bit more ready to help a rotation like Miami. So he would be the name that I would circle. Interesting. I And that's what I was hoping to get out with Grimes, because I knew you were uh, somewhat higher on him than than consensus that I think is consensus. Consensus is uh, not super consensus right now. So um, uh, <laughs> something I wanted to point to with Livers, um, 6 7 25 is not really all that different from the build that uh Duncan Robinson was when he was coming out. People forget Duncan Robinson was a bit um chunkier as a prospect. There was a reason he went undrafted. He didn't have the movement skills that he turned out to have. And not saying I would expect that from Livers because they're built differently. Um, I think Livers is just a bigger body, is more likely to sort of be like a four. Um and of course, they also both went to Michigan. Um, so not saying that there's that there's any smoke there or anything. I'm I'm not uh, in Pat Riley's front office, but uh, there's sort of an interesting parallel there. Um, Sam Hauser, I've heard some people point to it as having maybe the best shooting statistical profile of any prospect ever. Um, and I find that very intriguing, very interesting. Um, I just think the movement skills are, are pretty poor. Um, he is like a really slow footed player right now. Um, 
laterally and, and he's someone who actually does get affected by contest he actually didn't face a ton at um virginia it felt like i think he got a lot of really open shots uh created by his own movement sometimes he he's a solid off-ball mover but i just think the off-ball movement is or not, excuse me the movement skills are just just very far away with hauser um Wies camp is a little better at that but i I think Wieskamp might be a little bit of a of a workout kind of smoke prospect. Um, not that he wasn't a legitimate prospect before the combine, but I think people see a 42-inch vertical and they think he's more athletic than he is. Um, I, To me, that athleticism showed up on tape more than over like a Sam Hauser, but he's not like specifically like an uber athlete or anything on tape. It's not even like Pat Connaughton. Like Pat Connaughton, I think sort of gets that like comp because he was white and also had like a crazy vertical. Um, but you know, Pat Connaughton, if you go back and watch him at Notre Dame, like played like he was that type of athlete. Yeah, Wieskamp a pogo doesn't. stick, yeah. Yeah, Wieskamp doesn't. And and I don't think it's fair to expect that of him just because he had a good vertical number. Um and then uh, just a couple other names that, that sort of bounced through my head while I was um thinking about you mentioned sort of ready guys. Uh, someone who I think would be really interesting here is Chris Smith. Uh, Chris Smith has completely fallen off the radar, it feels like, because um, he tore his ACL this year. I think he got a little forced out of UCLA because I'm thinking Mick Cronin kind of told him there was no spot for him. Uh, but he's still he's someone who I had top 30 last year, and I still think he's a legit NBA prospect. He's a very good shooter at 6'7", uh, interesting ball handler, smart decision maker, uh, really gives a shit defensively, just sort of has a complete package. It's just we haven't seen him in a year, and, and you worry that that ACL can affect his athleticism. Um, and then Derek Alston Jr. is someone we talked about on Chuck's pod, but uh, just <laughs> a really interesting bet on, as a, uh, like, like elite volume shooter um, at six, nine, really skinny. Uh, but, you know, that's one of those things that you hope the NBA can kind of fix, especially, you know, all that talk of heat culture. Um, but with that being said, this draft is not one where you're going to be looking to fill major holes. Uh, you know, you even mentioned with Isaiah Todd that like, you don't want, you want someone who's going to contribute immediately. That's sort of a, a fraught with peril idea because, just because like you know we're talking about guys who are who are more nba ready but it's still a very it's tough for any rookie drafted past four or five to contribute positively to nba teams early on uh you know the the slim view like a desmond bain uh sneak through and help early on but um who who out of these guys do you think you know chuck you mentioned circle and red uh quentin grimes but if you were to bet on one of these guys to to like play some minutes for the Heat in the playoffs next year, if they were to take them, which of the five would it be? Would it still be Grimes for you, Chuck? Ooh, oh man, good question. If I had to pick one, it would either be Grimes or this sort of Heat culture version of of Livers. I. Livers is a really interesting prospect because he is a like a very tough competitor and he has the size that you would want, you know. His wingspan isn't anything to write home about. I think I think it's sort of like a six nine or six eight wingspan in a six seven frame. Um, but it would be either him or Grimes. You know, Grimes, 
I just think that that three point volume is going to translate, but it, that also means it's going to be volatile. I mean, even very good college shooters might have a year where they shoot 34%. And if they bring nothing else to the table and crimes doesn't bring a, like a ton more to the table, then you're, you know, they'll just play someone else in that spot. But I would say either, either of those two would be the bet to make an impact in the playoffs. I, I want to go all in, Bryce, like we were talking about, and say it would be Carlson Jr. since we put him home at home, shouting him out. Um, but I would think, yeah, Grimes or Livers would be my, would be my pick. One, one more guy that seems very heady um, would be Herb Jones. He seems like just a super heatish type guy. So um, that, that would be an interesting fit. And then one other guy who, uh, in the Heat system, I'm not sure how it would really work out, but Raekwon Gray could be interesting on the Heat. Uh, he's if you take if you take Raekwon Gray's like um, extra pounds away, it's like how much actually do you want to take away? Because that's kind of what makes Raekwon Gray Raekwon Gray. Uh, but in another sense, you know, like uh, you replace it with muscle and stuff. And he is, uh, he seems very much like a heat type guy who's just a really tough competitor and on both ends and um, you know, just sort of a wrecking ball <laughs> for lack of a better term. So um, he seems something like a prospect that the heat maybe could um, look into, but uh, either of those two guys really Um but, you know, there's a whole slew of these second round undrafted free agent type guys that, uh, I mean, really, you could make a case for for being some sort of heat guy in, in some respect. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, go ahead. Go ahead, Chuck. Oh, I, I just I'm glad Stone brought up those two guys, because those were two other guys I sort of had in mind if like as fits for Miami again, sort of in a vacuum, but that I, I would think they'd be looking for more shooting talent than that because there is a threshold of shooting you have to cross, and both those guys need some work on that end. But, you th- I mean, those are the two in the second round when you think of athletic, relentless players who pride themselves on, on defense and in guarding anyone and ground coverage. You know, and in both of their cases, you know, they have some passing vision as well. That's a ball movement heavy offense that the Heat have. You know, you could envision both of them kind of at least having a path to really locking down a rotation spot there. Uh, you know, they check a they check a ton of boxes, and it might be that they again that they acquire enough shooting in free agency or, or via trade that they can be a bit more uh, open in the type of player profile that they would look at in the draft, uh, either via trade or in undrafted free agency. And maybe they end up with Herbert Raekwon because, you know, these guys, we've probably mentioned eight or nine names by now, not all of them are going to be drafted. And if the Heat don't feel any urgency to target one of them, they can sit pat and get at least one of them to bring in an undrafted free agency and see if they can compete for a roster spot. So even though they don't have a pick, they are still in a position to potentially help their team. That's all. Yeah, I think that's that's really interesting, and that's a good place to take that. Um, I just wanted to just just throw some names out who I who I think are probably um, undrafted guys. <coughs> oh, excuse me, um, but who I think are uh, 
like good bets to fill out like the back end of you mentioned that they don't have a have a even close to a full roster um to maybe take up two-way spots and i think it's good if you're a team like them uh to have like shooting on those two-way spots um guys who who can fit next to jimmy and bam because i really think you're getting into dangerous territory if you're playing a third non-shooter there especially if you don't have duncan robinson um because you're really getting to a spot where you're going to take away what each of those guys does best. And, and, and that's a, that's a tough spot to be in. Um, so the guys I'm looking at are like DJ Stewart from uh, Mississippi state, um, John Petty, Jr. Uh, Malcolm Cazalon, uh, Chondi Brown and clay mounts. And then like a Kyle Mangus. Um, those are all like sort of like wings or maybe like a wing guard with Mangus um, who just can shoot. Uh, and, and offer varying degrees of either athleticism or on-ball playmaking, um, who, who I have all as like undrafted talents, but just you're sort of, I, this is a team that, that's in a really interesting spot. Um, and that's, that's sort of how I wanted to wrap the pot up was to talk about like, when I was on Chuck's spot, he made me give like a definitive, like uh, where do I see Rocco going? Right. Um, and that was really fun. And then, and I kind of want to throw it back to him and just, the Heat, after losing to the Bucks pretty miserably in four games, um, Jimmy Butler is going to be 35. How old is Jimmy Butler going to be? 30? No, he's, he, he's not 35. He may be like 32, 33. Yeah, yeah. I, believe, I believe he's like 31, 32. Yeah, I was definitely, I was definitely going um, over. Um, yeah, it's yeah. So he'll be 32 in September. There you go. So, but still, getting older for, in NBA terms. Um, and, and, you know, Bam Adebayo still has plenty of prime left. Um, but he's a player who, who has holes that I think sort of showed in the regular season this year. And that's that, um, he is not really like a versatile defensive player. He's a really good switch big, but he's not a great rim protector. And I think that sort of showed a little bit this year in a way people didn't, um, really see, uh, in, in, in prior seasons, um, uh, they're just at an interesting spot. So, Chuck, where do you think the Heat go from here? Do you think they can be a like a true finals contender again? Do you think that window is passed? Um, and and what would you do with this team to try and get them there? Ooh, um, I think that you know it's just so hard to say because they have a full off season ahead to retool this team. I think if they were to bring the, the gang back together and just have Drogic be their third best player you know, and rely on some development from here, then no, I don't think they're going back to the NBA finals. But I think that, you know, in the Eastern conference, your window or in the way, it doesn't matter where you are, your window shuts like an, another team can shut your window even if you thought your window was open. And that's the effect that the Brooklyn Nets have. And the effect that, you know, the Bucks have in clearly adjusting to the heat and just sweeping them out of the playoffs. In that series, you know, they went back to playing drop. And because they had Drew Holiday to run around screens, the dribble handoff game that the Heat were able to use to uh, beat them in the bubble just wasn't there. And then they just had no other means to score because – Bam really pop out to three and and punish a drop coverage team. So 
If I were to try to make a move to get back there, I, I think they're going to sign Kyle Lowry. That is the, I think they are the leader in the clubhouse to do that. He provides a lot to them, both in raising the ceiling of their best five and in uh, doing what Tyler Hero couldn't do this past year, which is to provide playing making with Jimmy Butler's off the court. You know, when Butler was off the court, the Heat really fell apart, you know, much more so than than Bam. And so getting Lowry in would shore up a lot of that. And past that, it's really making a call about what you're going to do with Hero. Or do you really think that Hero is going to develop into a two-way player either this year or the next year that can help maximize the the time that you have with Jimmy? Or are you going to try to trade him? And if you trade him, for who? Before we came on here, I was looking to see maybe if there was a trade that I could include him in that wouldn't, you know, require too many sign and trades and, you know, everything of, of pending free agents and stuff like that. And one that I thought about was um, Iguodala has one year left. That's a team option. So that he can pick that up and trade him for 15 million here is still on a rookie deal. And so I thought about Hero and Iguodala for Miles Turner. Now, I don't know which team in that exchange feels like they would have to add assets in. It depends on Indiana's view of uh, both Hero and Turner. But if you brought Turner in, then it solves that rim protection issue, Bryce, that you mentioned, which is a, one that I agree about with regards to BAM. It keeps it still gives you some spacing so you're not playing a second big who can't shoot um and though you don't have hero on the floor and you lose that spacing it means you can bring duncan robinson back and you know look to if you have if you brought kendrick nunn back you could have lowry butler robinson bam turner nunn you know that's six guys add in a rookie here or there, an MLE here or there, you bring back Udonis Haslam because, of course, the Heat are going to do that for emotional support. It, it becomes a more interesting team. So I don't know if y'all have any thoughts on a deal like that. That is one that I would at least consider from Miami's perspective. Turner is under contract for two more years at $17 million a year or thereabouts. And, um, yeah, I think his value was pretty well established at this point. He's a guy who's begging for a new situation since that fit with Sabonis in Indiana has always been clunky. He's another guy who very tough, plays hurt, um, and I think would be a real fit in Miami. But I wanted to know what y'all's thoughts were on something like that. Yeah, I mean, I think probably the – maybe the easier route to go just draft EJ Onu. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, we should talk about that. Yeah, totally. No, yeah. I mean, uh, I'll be I'll, I'll be brief in saying that I think EJ Onu makes a lot of sense for Miami because because of that three and D type thing, uh, being a really good shot blocker and three point shooter. Um, obviously at a much lower level, but he's really worked hard to get to where he's at and fits the Heat culture thing really well, which I think it can say for a lot of these prospects. Um, but to your point, I think Miles Turner makes a lot of sense here for the reasons you were saying. Um, I think for some people, um, the idea of Miles Turner in terms of actually his shooting is more, it, the idea is better than the actual reality of it. Um, I think he 
you know, is thought to be like a really, really um, high level floor spacer as a center, um, which he can be, it just takes low volume and he's not really one to, I think he's more comfortable being near the basket. Um, and, you know, that's not to say that he can't fill that role in, in Miami, obviously they're kind of known for developing. Um, so I think it, it does make more sense currently though, than what they have. So that pairing together, I would be very interested to see how it pans out. Um, and Bam, like we've mentioned already is a really good passer. Uh, I think we mentioned it on the last podcast too, with Rafael, like, the, the passing became an outlier, outlierishly development. Um, but, you know, if he can play like some high-low stuff with Miles Turner, that's that's pretty interesting. So I'd be very interested in that trade and um, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I agree that Miles Turner is probably out. I feel like there's going to be a lot of teams trying to get Miles Turner. Um, yeah. But I've also felt like that for a while because I feel like the idea of a 3 and D center just like helps teams like if i'm the pelicans uh i i feel like i can pop tyler hero and um and this this heat package here uh i don't know exactly with what but the pelicans have a billion picks i mean and the heat have like none um so i think it could be as simple as that uh and and the heat are just in a tough spot um i do really like the lowry fit though i think that's the one part that i keep going back to um, I think Lowry's done in, in Toronto. He's had a great run, but I, I think Lowry has more left in the tank. Um, and, and I love that he can fit with Jimmy Butler and also buoy them without Jimmy Butler. Um, and especially if you, if you can get Lowry and bring Duncan Robinson back, I think you start to build a theory of this team. And if you can add Miles Turner to that, that's even better because that would be uh, one of, that would be my bet for best defense in the NBA next year and uh i think that scales to the playoffs too um that would be a fascinating team um and i really like uh, i think duggan robinson and kyle lowry can create enough shooting gravity to really maximize uh jimmy butler and bam Adebayo. um and then miles turner if he can shoot just enough to, to to provide some space that could be a really that could be a championship level team um assuming that the brooklyn nets are uh similarly injured um, because I think for any team in the East, you're going to have to bet on uh, Kyrie or Katie or Harden not being completely healthy because uh, if that's the case, I feel like those nets are absolute world beaters. Um, Chuck, do you have any closing thoughts on the Miami heat? Uh, yes, I do. Thank you for asking Bryce. Absolutely. <laughs> I, uh... no, give it, let us hear it. Um. Yeah, it was it was actually stuff that you brought up about uh, their potential competition for Turner and how that defense comes together. Uh, so you mentioned how you think other teams might be able to top a package headlined by Hero, and I think in cold asset terms you are right. But the Pacers are kind of in a similar position to the Heat now, bringing Rick Carlisle aboard. And having a largely veteran team in tow, uh, that marriage did not happen by accident. Rick Carlisle likes to go to teams that he feels ready to win because he, that's all he really wants to do. And he has, at the at the very least, a checkered history with 
playing and developing young players unless they are really, really, really special. I mean, the Pacers have already been linked, I think, to the Rockets in trade talks for the number 13 pick. And I, I think that's because with Carlisle there, he, you know, he's like, I'm, I'm not here to try to develop, you know, Josh Giddy for three years if we take him at 13, even though I think Giddy would be a really cool fit there. I think they are wanting to acquire the best players for right now. So if they decide that they're going to trade Miles Turner, I don't think that their motivation is going to be what package of picks gives us, you know, the asset win in this exchange. I think the motivation is going to be who is the best player that we can really get for Turner. And I don't know that Hero is necessarily that guy, but I don't think that like Brandon Ingram would change hands in a Miles Turner trade. I don't know that New Orleans would go that far, or maybe they would. But like I said, with with Hero, it's all eye of the beholder. It just takes one team to really, really like him. I don't know if the Pacers are that team, but it's possible. And the other thing about the uh, Turner fit, if that were to happen, and I know we're sort of down the hypothetical rabbit hole here, but if that were to happen, one of the reasons I love that fit so much is that as good as Turner was for portions of the regular season when he was healthy this past year, when they faced sort of the big boys in the East, you know, most notably Joel Embiid, Embiid still kind of killed him because Embiid kills everyone. And there's a real thought that, you know, having Miles Turner on your team is all well and good until you run into Joel Embiid and then track where he started, not quite being good enough. But on the Heat, where you have Bam who can supplement that assignment and take some of the more physical matchups away from Turner. That is a really harmonious defensive fit in my opinion that I would love to see. So um, yeah, I just, Lowry notwithstanding, if they got Turner in house, I would be very interested to see how high that team could ascend. Cause like we've been saying, they don't have a lot of time, whether we think their window is open or shut or whatever butler's under contract so whatever window they have is a jimmy butler window and so it's all about they are really at a crossroads as to how they're going to compose this team because they don't really have any time to waste yeah and it's you know you mentioned we're down the hypothetical rabbit hole but also uh they could opt in uh drogic and uh pacers might be more interested in that than Igadala because uh we all know that rick carlisle loves coaching slovenians so uh that would be <laughs> Uh, no, but uh, in all seriousness, I think that's interesting. And the Heat have a really interesting pathway. Um, I'm I'm of the belief that their finals run was absolutely not a fluke, and that they are a very legit team who just happened to run into some troubles this year and a very very good Bucks team that that very well might win the championship. Um, and and I think the Heat can kind of retool. Um, I Victor Oladipo, I. I feel so bad, but I, I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a true value at this point. Um, I just, I think he's so far gone and he's, he's at a point where he doesn't want to accept where he is, which, which is completely understandable. I wouldn't either um, considering he, he touched stardom for, for such a small amount of time before the injury. But um, I, I think Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry, like, 
like if you center your offseason around that, uh, the retention of Duncan Robinson and the acquisition of Kyle Lowry, um, I think you could start to build a really good team. Uh, Miles Turner would be great here. Um, you know, maybe you could get like a Jakob Pertle or something if you can't get Miles Turner. Jakob can't shoot, but he can sort of be that regular season innings eater at center and protect the rim. Um, I love Jakob Pertle. That dude is uh, <laughs> very good. And also, I'll never forget in of zones. All he does is say his own name. He just says Jakob Pertle. Like, and it's it kills me. Like, like when uh, they traded for Kawhi, they made a game of zones. And it was like Kyle Lowry was crying because DeMar DeRozan was leaving. And Jakob Pertle just kept saying Jakob Pertle. And uh, it, uh, it sticks with me. It sticks with me. I can't say my my humor is is uh, is good. I don't have a good sense of humor, but um, <laughs> but it come it on, Bryce, exists. give yourself more credit than that. It certainly yeah. exists. I have such a weird memory. I have like I remember like so many random things. I forever remember Jakob Pertle saying his own name in a weirdly animated Game of Thrones NBA parody, and it will stick with me forever. It's never ever gonna leave. So, uh, what a note! What a note to end the bottom. <laughs> um, this, but as always, this has been awesome. Uh, Chuck is a true friend of the pod and a true friend of mine. Um, Chuck, we love you here, and uh, we're very grateful for you to come on. You're seriously welcome anytime. And I love coming on your pod. Still to this day, that Kai Jones pottery recorded is is one of my favorite things I've ever done on any, like any basketball topic. I still think it's like, it's something I will point to as like a legitimate discussion through a prospect through every Avenue. I feel like we could talk about Kai Jones. We talked about Kai Jones. It's, it's still like, I I've listened to it like three times and it's still like one. I just, I, <laughs> That's why I, I just must listen to episode. Could you just put it on repeat? I just I go to sleep listening to to me talk about Kai Jones. <laughs> oh, oh Bryce, don't don't forget it, and don't forget me when you're running the new Seattle SuperSonics in 2047. Someday, Chuck, I will give you a job at when I'm doing it. <laughs> you can be you can be head of uh, all concessions. That's gonna be that's what I'm feeling. I'm feeling like you could really energize the troops, you know, day in, day out. You can make make sure they're they're feeling ready to sell some way overpriced beer. Um, so absolutely. That's fine, man. I, I cannot wait. Can't wait. Anyways, uh, while you're here, Chuck, uh, just let the people know where they can find all your great stuff, because it's seriously and, and I mean this like from the absolute bottom of my heart. It's seriously some of the best stuff out there. Um, I listen to every single one of your pods you put out w- without fail. Um, basically, the second it comes out, um, I already listened to the pod you put out with Buttermilk today, uh, which isn't today when the people are hearing this, but it's today when we're recording this. Um, and everything you put out is, is gold. And you're an awesome follow on Twitter. You're an awesome guy. We talked for 40 minutes before we even started recording. Uh, we scheduled this for like a week ago and instead of recording a pod, we talked for 40 minutes and then I had to leave. So this is, this is just the type of banter we have. So Chuck, thanks. Thank you again so much. And just tell the people where they can find all your stuff. Thank you very much, man. Very nice of you to say. Uh, pleasure is all mine. I'm being on here. I am at chucking darts on Twitter. Uh, my podcast 
the Shot Dark NBA podcast. You can find it on any platform that podcasts exist. Just look for the 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 sepia toned bullseye logo that says chucking darts with a basketball and a dart in its heart. And that is me. So thank you all very much. And Bryce is nice enough to uh, retweet some of my episodes when they come out. So if you follow Bryce, hopefully uh, you will see my stuff promoted. But uh, that's where to find me. And look forward to coming uh, back again soon, man, and to have you back on the pod. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Seriously, anytime. Uh, this has been so great. I, I love hanging out with Chuck. He is, he's one of the best to do it. I think he was the first guest pod I ever did. The first time I was ever not on uh, upside swings. Um, so, you know, always a special place in my heart. Uh, Stone, let people know where they can find you and what they got to do. Yeah, you could just follow me and all my drafts work at report underscore court. Um, and then if you want to follow the podcast, it's at upside swings. Um, and then if you can just rate and review us, it would mean a lot to us and helps us grow our audience. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've been growing a lot. This has been good. Uh, we really appreciate the people who have listened to uh, the last two pods because we decided it was a good time to release two straight pods about teams that don't have picks. Um, so, you know, we're feeling bold. I'll put it that way. This, the, the irrational confidence this series has given us. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we wouldn't do this without you. Thanks again to Chuck for just being uh, all around the best. Uh, this has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. Ah.